following morning, he was bragging about all, uh, about, about all these things at the bus stop, about his promotion and how he was going to start off in a, in a good, clean slate and, uh, and all this plans that he was having. And, and, and then a second gentleman was present and was hearing the conversation, goes up to the man while the bus was riding and tells the man, hey, congratulations on your promotion. So uh, what's next? Well, the guy says, well, since uh, I'm getting much better salary, then I will, uh, then, then I will get a bigger house uh, for, for me and my family. I'll, I'll get all these great things, uh, and I want to go ahead and get all these things psyched because, you know, I couldn't do it before, and I'm going to do it now. Well, the, the guy says, well, that's great, great stuff. And then what? Well, uh, then I'll be taking these desired vacations we always wanted for years, and, and, you know, we want to go ahead and do that. Well, that's great. And then what? Well, then, you know, I'll retire and settle in a smaller house and on the countryside and, you know, just finish off like that. Nice. And then what? The guy was getting already irritated at this point, you know? And he says, well, then I'll die and be buried. And the guy goes, huh, and then what? The guy's like, and then what? And then what? Where, 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 are, you, where are you going out with it? Where, where are you going out with all this stuff? And then what? And then what? Get the point? Get the point? In the story we, about, we, we just read, there was a man that saw Jesus and recognized him, and then, and then he ran up to him because there was a question that needed to be clarified. There was a question that needed to be answered. Anybody had any qu- a question in their lives that needed clarification? You know, please clarify this for me. Please, I need answers. And probably you receive answers that you don't even like, answers that you don't even want to hear. Well, this guy comes up to Jesus, and he needed clarification. It was so, it was so as such that this man that was, was talking to Jesus, he was wealthy. He was rich. You know, when you talk about a rich man, you're talking about a guy that, that has all kinds of possessions, all kinds of great things. You know, uh, this guy that, that he doesn't have to squeak or pinch pennies to get what he wants. You know, that right by where we live, there's a there's a subdivision called Lost Valley. I mean, Lost Valley. Think about that. I mean, these are mansions and castles. And we drive by just to dream, you know, and then we go back to reality, go back to my house. So, so this guy comes up, and, and as he was wealthy, you know, comes up to Jesus and asks him the question. Says the question that someone wanted to ask Because as he was wealthy, he knew that there were certain things that money can't buy. And that's eternal life. We can't buy our way into heaven. And this man knew this. So as he encountered Jesus, fell on his knees because he realized that who was in front of him was his hope to answer the question that this man had in, on his mind that needed immediate answers. 
Now, Jesus was making one thing clear here. When Jesus says to this man and he says, why do you call me good? Because this guy comes, fall on his knees and says, good teacher, good teacher. And when Jesus sees this man and, call, and he says, why do you call me good? There is only one good, and that is God. Now, one of the things that speaks to me in this verse, Jesus was not talking about himself not being good. Jesus was telling this man it takes a lot more than being a good person to enter the kingdom of God. It takes a lot more than, than a good person to be saved. And he's telling this man this. Being good is not the ticket. Being good, it's not enough. And Jesus, see me in my wild imagination, if I would have been there, I would have probably sensed Jesus saying, listen, buddy, and what I'm about to tell you you might not like. I'm two seconds away from knocking you out of that cloud with what I'm about to tell you. But you know these things. So, th th you know, this is Jesus. He's, he's pointing out and he says, you know the commandments. You know these things. You know, you shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery, so on and so forth. And this guy's getting excited and he's saying, well, we got it going on here. It's all good. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Because I've been doing this since I was a kid. So I'm good. How many of us think that because we were raised at a church, that's the ticket that we need to go to heaven? You know, Jesus is saying, you know the drill. You know what it is. And the guy's excited. And he's saying, hey, great. I've been doing this since I was a little boy. So I'm set. But I'm thinking that we, as he's getting up to leave and hopscotch his way home, you know, Jesus is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, there's more. There's one thing that you need to do, Jesus is saying, and he's telling him, what you need to do now is sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Have you ever seen somebody that's, when they receive these types of bad news, their face drops? I mean, their face drops. I mean, boof. So far for that, so much for that one. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. So, it's funny because when I read this part, I see three things. One, sell everything. Two, give everything. And three, then follow me. Then follow me. First, sell everything. Second, give everything. Then follow me. So when I see that the guy's face drops and and the Bible says that he was sad and he was already like so disappointed and so discouraged and he left. It leads me to believe, to ask the question and say, so what? Was eternal life not so important to this man that he would not renounce to his riches? Was his love for his wealth so strong 
that when Jesus said, get rid of everything that is taking away the place that belongs to the Lord, this man's attitude was like, you know what? Forget it. That's what I read. You know what? I'm good. I'm good the way I am. I thought we could have an understanding, but clearly we don't. That's what it is. At first, he thought that, oh, man, okay, I follow all the commandments. But when it's time to release something that to this man was his God to follow Jesus, he said, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. You know how many times God is calling people to do things that, that does not make sense at all, and we tend to, tend to say, you know what, God? I'm not going because I'm too comfortable, so forget it. But then, we really want God to bless us. But when God is requiring something out of us, we say, forget it. The comfort zone. The comfort zone that we tend to make it our God, and then when things go south, then we're questioning God, why is this taking place, Lord? You know? Why? Because God does not honor the disobedience. God honors obedience. And truly, if God says, renounce everything that you have and come follow me, you know what? We might as well renounce everything that we have and follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying stay homeless and go sell your houses and, you know, we're just saying be obedient to the Lord so when Jesus sees this, sees the attitude of this guy, and he sees that he's wandering off and says, you know what? Forget it. So I'm seeing the point of view of the man, his, his, his disappointment. What about Jesus' disappointment? What about Jesus' disappointment? See, we don't think about Jesus' heartbreaks with our actions. We always think about our actions and our heartbreaks. See, when Jesus said to this man what he needed to do, and he saw what he saw, what about Jesus' heart? What about how he felt? You know, one of the things is that he looks at his disciples, he's scratching his head, I'm thinking, and saying, man, it's impossible to deal with rich people. It's so hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They don't understand that my Father in heaven is the owner of gold and silver, and he is the provider. He, they don't understand that we have what we have because God opened that door. They don't understand that we have what we have because God allowed it to have it, but at the same time, the way God opened the door, he can close it. And then we're going to come closer to the Lord because we were left with nothing. And, and that's what Jesus was just boggling through his head, telling his disciple, it is impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What am I supposed to do? But then, you know, they have the disciples. They're there listening to this conversation. You know, I'm thinking they're talking to each other. It's like, what? What is he saying? To sell everything? What? So 
when they're hearing Jesus say, and having this conversation with this man, this man is walking, and they're thinking, okay, so, so, okay, so how, how, what do we need to do to be saved? What can we do to be saved? They're talking amongst each other. Peter speaks up. I love Peter. I love Peter. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm a Peter, you know, because Peter would open his mouth and then he would actually think of what he said. You know, you know, a lot of times at home they say that I'm the same way. I don't buy that. I don't really believe it, you know. I rebuke all that, those, those allegations. My mother tells me the same thing, but I don't buy that either, you know. I told mom, you're, you're, you're getting up there in age and I don't buy that. But I compare myself to Peter a lot of times, you know, because, and, and to me, Peter, you know, he's, he's my hero. You know, I have hope because if Peter made it, you know, I got, I, I'm good. So Peter stands up, you know, he's the spokesman for, for his buddies, for the disciples. And he says, hey, listen, you know, we, we gave everything. We followed you and we know the commandments. So these things that you, that you ask, so we, we did all these things. So what do we need to do? We, well, I don't get it. What do we need to do to be saved? So I love it when Jesus said, listen, what's impossible for men is possible for God. You see, a lot of times in our lives, we tend to look at situations in our lives and try to handle them with our own strength, with our own emotions. We try to put God on the sidelines and say, I'm going to do it on my own. And then we see it, that it's impossible. We try and we try and we try, but God, with only one voice and one order, it's done. With only one voice, one order, it's done. You see, God is, Jesus is telling his disciple, listen, no one who left home or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Let me, let me break this down for you. There's two types of people in, in, in walking the face of the earth. There one, there's one, like the first guy that we were talking about, that might love the Lord and might acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, but will acknowledge themselves first and will be impossible for them to renounce to everything, to come to the foot of the cross. And then there are those, there are those that gave it all, that gave it all. They gave it all to follow Jesus. I want to be like those guys. Gave it all to follow Christ. Gave it all. 
You see, because the God that we serve is the God that breaks chains. The God that we serve is the God that no matter what we're going through or no matter what lifestyle we live, God loves us. And he wants us the way that we are. But sometimes we tend not to give him or to renounce to things that we know that are not of God. We tend to keep them and to bargain with the Lord. But see, God wants to break our chains. God wants to break our chains. And the thing about Christianity, folks, is that there is no way, see, because the verse that that I just shared talks about persecution. We're going to face persecution. The church is going to face persecution. In other words, if you think that being a Christian, it's all petals of roses, my friends, I'm sorry, there's a lot of trials that we're going to be facing. But you know what the beauty of God is telling us today? That trials and persecutions is only temporary. Life in Jesus, it's eternal. And what's eternal is not temporary. It's forever. I want to close with this thought. And I want to close with this, um, with this thought. And as we celebrate Mother's Day... And as we read, as we just shared verse 29 and 30, when I read this verse, 29 and 30, this verse, every Mother's Day, I have to say something about mom. No, my, my daughters were saying, Dad, are you going to be talking about your mom again? You know, and I said, I might not, but I might. Because when I was reading this verse, verse 29 and 30, that that says, truly I tell you, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive 100 times as much in the present age. And I was reading that, and it reminded me of mom. You know, my mother, if you were asking me about two things that I can say about my mother is that mom has always been a fighter and mom has always been bold, you know, to raise two boys practically on her own. My mother had me when she was 16 years old. She was a young mother. I went to her high school graduation. I think I was like a year old or something, you know. I can imagine me being cute and stuff. That, that was a long time ago. Things change. But my, my mother battled. She battled to, to, to raise my brother and I, a, a single mom who was very young and sacrificed it all. My mother made her choices. You know, she, like the rest of us, we, we had stumbling, we hit stumbling blocks and we, we hit a brick wall when we were growing up. My mother was sort of like a big sister, you know? And um, if I tell you the whole story, we might be here for a while, but if you hear the story, one would think, man, 
sounds like this guy's life was a mess. You know, it sounds like your lifestyle, you know, was just a mess. And how is it that you and your brother turned out the way that you turned out? You know, because clearly my mother wasn't a churchgoer. So clearly my mother wouldn't pray for me at the time. But behind my mother was her mother. Now, her mother, my grandmother's a different story. If you go to my, if you touch my grandmother's knees, you'll feel callous because she's forever praying. This little Puerto Rican woman just is such a prayer warrior, and she prayed us up day in and day out. She would pray us up. And I honor my mother today, and I honor my grandmother today because these two moms, I give thanks to the Lord because of these two moms, I stand here in front of you. God is so good. God is so good. And it's been those prayers that has kept us protected in our lives. Therefore, there's no doubt in my mind there is no doubt in my mind that in this house lies the most powerful praying people that fights on their knees for their children. So moms, keep on praying. There's no powerful prayer. There's more, no more powerful prayer than a prayer of a mother. And I know that. There is no more powerful prayer than a prayer of a mother for their children. And children, us, that we still have our mothers standing. We need to remember that we might not think the same way, but our mothers lived more than what we did. So therefore, they're more experienced than we are. So therefore, moms, we love you. God loves you. There's no greater love closer to the love of God than the love of a mother. And that, I can take it to the bank. There is no other way. My mother, she did everything she could and I remember one day we were having a conversation because she knew that she was young and she made some, some decisions that she's not proud of. I remember one day she calls me. This is a long time ago. And she tells me, son, I just want to tell you how sorry I am because I wasn't a good mother to you. And I'm hearing this. And she says, you know, I'm so proud of the man that you are. But I'm sorry because I wasn't a great mom to you. And I said, Mom, stop it. We're going to stop this. We're going to end this right now. Because you're the best. You are the best. We can't give what we don't have. And you gave everything you had 
for my brother and I. My brother's a pilot. He retired army, and he's the youngest of the two. And me, I'm just here making sure that you're okay. I want to close this with a prayer. And as we pray today, the altar will be open. And I just want to ask for you to pray for two things. When you come to the altar, I want you to, to just think about this for a second. You know, maybe you're here today, and, and thankfully your moms are, are with you, whether they're long distance or, or not. And maybe you, you don't have this understanding with your mom. Maybe the last words to your mother were, were not the best. But God has given you the opportunity to patch things up because moms love you very much. Maybe you want to come forward and say, God, I just want these chains to be broken. He did it with me and my dad. My dad and I are the closest as ever. I'll share that later. But God wants to give you the opportunity to restore whichever relationship. And maybe there isn't in existence, but maybe there is. And God wants to give you that opportunity. The second where will you spend your eternity? If you would stand in front of God and, and God is asking you, where, why should I let you inside my kingdom? What would you tell God? That you were good? Clearly that's not enough. God wants to give you the opportunity that if, he, when, he, if and when he asks that question, that you can say, I am not worthy but I gave me to you, and by your grace, I'm standing here today. And that God will say, come on in, faithful servant. So we want to give these two opportunities. I'm going to close out with a prayer, and as the praise team continues to sing, the altar will be open. If you want to pray alone and not be bothered, there's two reserved areas, one in between these two, just in case. You'll be left alone. It'll be between you and the Lord. I will be standing on this side, and I'll be praying for you. Father God, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. A Lord that saves us. A Lord that restores. The Lord that breaks chains. The Lord that knows everything. Father God, I just thank you because I have a great mother. And she has a great mother. And I pray for the mothers here today, Lord. I honor them, Lord, in your name. And I thank you for them. Thank you for their prayers. Thank you for their love. And thank you, Father, because they will give everything for their children. I thank you, Father, because you gave me an outstanding wife. 
who has been an outstanding mother to my children. And I thank you for her because she reflects who you are. And Father, as, as we close this out today, Father, I just pray, Father God, that you will speak to our hearts continuously. Forgive us, Lord, because sometimes we just act without even thinking. And sometimes we have to come to you and say, Father God, we blew it again. But you're a God that restores. And guilt is not one thing that you give us. You give us peace. You give us, you love us. And you restore us. So Father, as, as your children come to pray, I pray, I pray, Father, that as they're speaking to you, that you would speak to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The altar is open for prayer.